Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, the PK Podcast is a weekly conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights into the promotional products business. I'm Bobby Lee I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Mark Graham, president of Right Sleeve and CEO of Common Skew. And Mark and I have spent way too much time together recently. We were at the... Um, too much time. Way too much time. NALC in New Orleans, that was fun. I'm sitting, if you hear a little background noise, I'm actually sitting at the MAPS sage trade show in dallas texas and uh, today we are thrilled to have on the program danny sermon who has uh, a a long history in this business danny has a a brilliant brand called zebra marketing and uh, mark actually this was the genesis for this today's podcast is a fascinating topic that danny has touched on and we've asked him to come on and speak to this a little bit more. Mark, why don't you intro a little bit of how this particular episode happened and what it's going to be about? Well, I, Danny, I think it was around a year ago that I was down in Alabama uh, uh, speaking with the Alabama-based promotional organization and, and you and I were having dinner together and we were talking about how distributors can find themselves in this tough situation where they look around and they've been in business for a while and they ask themselves the question, am I happy? And have I grown past happy or am I growing too happy? Um, and it was, it was something that really stuck in my mind because as a distributor that has been focused on growth for many years, um, it gave me pause to, to really think about what our goals have been and, and whether we're still aiming for happy or whether we in fact have grown past happy and 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 I thought that it would be a really worthwhile thing to discuss over this podcast because I think there's a lot of people in this industry that I, I, I think aren't entirely sure to what they're aiming for and whether and when they arrive at that at that spot whether they've actually reached the holy grail so to speak the holy grail of happiness so I thought that um, maybe we could start off with just you answering that question as to what 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 you were getting at when we were talking. Uh, thanks guys for having me on. I, you know, I, I still believe it today, just like I said a year ago. I, I really think uh, most people get in this business, they're, most everyone's entrepreneurs and primarily small businesses in this industry. And we basically um, start out and you go, you know, if we could ever write, um, you know, $250,000 a year, um, for some people, half a million dollars a year, they start thinking about you know how much money they would make and how great their company would be and that sort of thing. And then over time, that evolves into clients come along, and they have opportunities at uh, multi-million dollar programs. And then they go to some of our industry events, and they hear stories about these people who are wildly successful, writing five million dollars a year in sales. Um, and so you, you, you have all these things that are thrown at you. And as distributors, you know, you go to the show and people say, well, you need salespeople. Great. So you go out and hire um, five new salespeople. Does grow. Um, collections become an issue. All these other things kind of start popping up. And maybe that's not your unique talent. Maybe it's not something you, you enjoy doing. And I just think that um, there ought to be a class for people to sit down and say, you know, when you mature in this industry, what does that look like and where do you want to be? Because we haven't mentioned our families um, and how we interact with them or even our own social lives. And I think this business can be all-consuming. Um, that's kind of how it started. 
Yeah, Danny, I, I've talked to a young distributor recently, and we were talking about really what is your personal goal in the business? If are you trying to build an empire? Are you trying to build something? I mean, you, you really do have to peel back and ask yourself, what do I want? So that's what you mean by growing past happy. Uh, what, what what does it mean for Danny Sermon? You, I mean, you've been all over the board, right? You've done, you've built successful businesses, and uh, where where is growing growing past happy to Danny? Well, you know, it's it's funny you say that because I, I think I've lived this. Um, I started out working for my dad um, many years ago, and uh, eventually bought him out, and wanted to be in the program business and have a warehouse and fulfillment systems and um, you know, very sophisticated software. And so I went out and bought those things because I had customers that um, told me I needed to do it and I saw where I could make a dollar doing it. And as all these things started to take place, um, you know, being a significant portion of the sales and then having run all these things, um, there just got to be where there wasn't enough hours in the day. And I think the day the day comes came for me um, when I said, you know what, I'm not having fun anymore. That was the day I decided I've got to do something different. At the same time, I was talking um, with some friends of mine who um, own Zebra Marketing, and we uh, got to talking. And you know, the, what changed for me was um, seeing them just kind of sharing where I was at. And we felt like there was another way to approach things. So for me, um, I needed more management help, and I needed a team to work with. And so that's kind of where I found my unique place. The benefit to that me to me is I get to do the things I love doing, which is helping people and helping customers. And um, I don't have to worry with everything there is to do with the business. So as you were growing, you had to shelve some things that you loved in order to do maybe some other things that were more just necessary and had to be done, but you just totally lost that. Did you totally lose the passion for it, or you just it, it just sort of slowly drifted away from you? You know, it's, it's you know some people have an, an ability to know if they're depressed or whatever, and I don't I don't think I was ever really depressed, but I, you have you know where you're at and you know where you feel, and um, you know for for me it was when I was involved in doing technical things. Um, I mean, I love technology, and I've decided I don't really love figuring out how it works. I just love what it does. Yeah. And so <laughs> that's another story for another day, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> anyway, I, just, uh, I found that I, what my core strengths were and, and what I enjoyed. And so um, while I was figuring that out, I had an awesome family who put up with me being gone a lot because we still had to make everything go. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of how it happened. Danny, your 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 comments remind me of one of my favorite business books of all time, and I'm sure the two of you are are well aware of it. But uh, um, for the benefit of of the listenership, uh, Michael Gerber's The E Myth. And um, have 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 you guys read that book before? Mm-mm. No, no, Mark, I actually haven't. Bobby, you've read everything. You haven't read this. I, I, you know, I know. I've picked it up. I thumbed through it, and I never drilled down into it. Well, I'll, uh, uh, the 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 you know the main idea around this book is that it it writes about this woman. I think her name is Sarah. It doesn't matter what her name is, but that that that's that's what I recall it being. And she's um, a brilliant baker, and she bakes these fantastic cakes. And she works for um, a pie shop, or she bakes pies, whatever. She works for this pie shop, and someone comes in and says, "Wow, you've got such an exceptional talent. Have you ever thought about?" 
starting your own business and uh, really growing your brand and you're going to have customers lined around the uh, around the block and you're going to make all sorts of money and she's she's kind of um, she falls into this and all of a sudden she's not only baking cakes or baking pies, but she's hiring and managing employees. She's dealing with paperwork. She's dealing with financial matter. And a year or two into it, she looks at herself in the mirror and she feels like she's aged 20 years and she's so upset and depressed. And uh, this whole book is really around whether someone, or it asks a number of key questions, but it really asks uh, among those questions is, are you an employee or are you an entrepreneur? And if you're an entrepreneur, how can you create uh, a business with these, uh, with these repeatable systems that allow for the stress to be removed from your day? And um, I think when I, read, when I first read the book, it was probably around eight years ago, and I'd been in the business and I thought immediately of our business and I thought of the people that thrive as employees and those people that thrive as entrepreneurs and I really see there being a difference and, and I, my question I suppose in light of that is, um, Danny, what do you see as the, the differences between yourself uh, and, and Laura who of course is the owner of uh, Zebra Marketing? You know, um, we, we kind of have a, a really a splendid setup. And that is, um, we all have different areas of responsibility. And I, I think her unique skills as a leader is in running the admin side and keeping all of our systems and our processes. She's a great process person. Um, yep. And then, you know, on the sales side, um, I have a unique talent I, 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 of working with salespeople. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Um, so that's you know that's kind of what how that works, and then we have a, we have another partner, um, Liz Holsey, that works with us that um, also works on the sales side, and she's a creative mind. So um, we kind of bring the best of everything. And the, the interesting thing for my particular deal is I never imagined. Um, excuse me, somebody's trying to reach me, but I'll tell them to go away. <laughs> well, let me ask you this: while while Danny while Danny's doing that, go ahead, Mark. Go ahead, Danny. Finish. Yeah. Um, anyway, I was just I was just going to say I I really and truly think that um, it's it's a matter of you know I never thought that a partnership you know you always hear partnerships are bad they're terrible they never work yeah. I'm not an example of that and yeah. I, you know I, I wouldn't recommend it to everyone but it is great to have a sounding board and I think if you're off by yourself um, you need to have resources for things like you're a small guy, you're doing a half million a year, and somebody comes to you and they say, we want you to take on this $500,000 program, and you're going to have to get a warehouse, and you're going to have to buy software. Um, how long is that all going to last, and where is that going to put you as far as your stress level, and is that why you got in this business? Or are you just a creative person that likes to think up cool videos and post them? Um, but I'm kind of curious to know what you guys think on this topic. I've kind of been spilling my guts here. How do you look at yourselves, and how do you say... Where's happy? Hmm. Mark, you want to go ahead? Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, I'll go. Uh, I, I've, I've been thinking I'll, I'll about go, but, uh, okay, but you, go ahead. You, you go ahead, Bob. All right. All right here's, I, I think uh, burnout is, is relatively high in our business, and, and here's something just theoretical. I'm not sure that this is, is accurate, but, you know, we, just, we all just came from an ALC. Leads, uh, the vice president of operations at Leeds posted up some stats I thought were kind of interesting. One of the stats that I took away was 35% of their orders are done on a 24-hour basis. 
And when you consider, I've seen studies in the industry that 40, 45%, so in other words, half of our orders that we work with clients are rush orders. Now, when you spend half of your existence putting out fires, I think the burnout rate can be pretty pretty high. And then there's also this really weird mix because you it's a fun, creative business. And then when the rubber meets the road, it's really pretty intense. It's a lot of organization. It's a lot of detail. So there are some personalities that can be attracted to the business that might not flourish or do well. But all that to say, most of us would never say, you know, when we were 18 years old that we we're going to someday get into this business and this is going to be fulfilling a fulfilling career for us. So after 21 years in the business now and had time to th- reflect, and what's ironic is I'm sitting right next to my 18-year-old son who's joining me at the show today just to sort of check it out. Like He's like get curious about getting into band merch and things like that. And um, so all these thoughts are going to my head you know, about what what is this meant? What is this meant as a career? And for me personally, years ago, I decided to, try and find fulfillment wherever I landed because the ideal the ideal dream job is quite elusive for most of us and Mark knows because I've been on Mark's psychiatrist couch as early as just an ALC <laughs> on some three years, of the... three years three years <laughs> so tell bad. us Bobby yeah how does this make you feel God I don't know if I could <laughs> so anyways so I, I literally uh, on the cab ride from an ALC to the airport I'm I'm weeping to Mark about something but anyways I think it's something we always struggle with. We have to ask ourselves, what is it about this business that we find the most fulfilling? Not so much, am I doing something that is ultimately fulfilling for me personally? But Because, uh, frankly, there are just bedpans that we have to empty every day. Even if you are co- concentrating on a particular niche that you enjoy. Mark and, Mark's an entrepreneur. He, he's a tech guy. But he's still got to dump out some bedpans, right, Mark? Yeah, the odd yeah, the odd time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, you know, Danny, I, I, I'm loving this conversation. You know, it's really, you know, it's a little different than some of the other podcasts we've done. You know, it is really, I think, giving all of us a chance to reflect. But, you know, um, I, I'm the way I'd answer your question is that I started off. Uh, myself just operating as a creative salesperson with my own business and I was my own I was the only employee and I did everything and and I got to a point where um, I, I, I kind of looked in the mirror and I said do I want to be a salesperson or do I want to create a business that could survive without me and I, I'd always been interested in the ideal of entrepreneurship and the ideal of creating a business that had value that was separate from the founder. And our industry, one being so sales-oriented, the vast majority of our businesses are really tied up in the chief salesperson, which happens to be the owner. And, and I, I was always a little bummed out by that because I thought, you know, I'd rather, I, I, as much as I don't want to be run over by a bus tomorrow, I'd, my, my, my test for a successful business was if I were to be run over by a bus tomorrow, knock on wood that that doesn't happen, will the business survive? And that was, um, you know, I think a, a challenge, an, a, an intellectual challenge for me. And that, uh, it, was, it was around sort of that three-year mark where I had reached decent sales as a solo salesperson, I thought, can I now direct my energies into building an organization? Because I was starting to get a little bored of those orders, uh, doing it all myself and create an organization where other people can be successful. And that became a new challenge because I started to 
I think, Danny, to, to borrow your term, I was starting to grow past happy as a solo salesperson at about that three, four-year mark. Um, and the last several years have been focused on building that enterprise. And there's no question it's been been challenging at times, but it's been really exciting to see other people thrive within an environment that you create. And, and for me, that was my state of happiness. And um, and then a couple of years ago, when I sat on Bobby's uh, couch, so to speak, um, <laughs> crying the blues, weeping, you know, so to speak, uh, and as as much as I absolutely still love what I'm doing at Right Sleeve, um, I'd felt I was getting to a point where I wanted to explore other areas, and of course, that's where um, my interest in technology really took over and we decided to commercialize the tech product that we had created to to uh, um, uh, to bring about common skew into the market so I, I it's been interesting and as, as I've looked at my career and not to say I've reached the pinnacle of happiness by any means but I feel that when something has become mature if I don't have something else that I can look for or look towards then um, I'll find myself in a, in a in a bad spot. So that that's how I've managed myself over over my career so far. That's pretty good. Uh, you know, um, there's a quote, and I forget I forget who said this, but the quote was: "A nerd needs a project because a nerd builds stuff all the time." Those lulls in the conversation over dinner—that's the nerd working on his project in his head. Projects do help us move from from dissatisfied states, I would say. But you know, when I heard Danny's topic, growing past happy. I, my first thought was, is is happiness, and this is going to sound crazy, but is happiness the most important barometer? No. How do you mean, Bobby? Well, um, you know, uh, we all have obligations as, as uh, bosses, managers, um, husbands, family. Um, sometimes happiness is not the ultimate barometer and um and i have to remind myself of that i mean that sounds very stoic and very you know ter- stoic and, and terribly um depressing uh, yeah <laughs> thanks mark well let me, let me let me put it to you let me put it to you another way bobby <laughs> it is i know <laughs> let's 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 move away from the bedpan analogy and okay. let's let's focus on the bb king analogy all right um you ever heard a um song called the thrill is gone Yes. All right. Love so think about song. your think of yeah, think about your question and if the thrill was gone, it's kind of like happiness. No happiness, you know, nothing else really matters. Think about the thrill is gone and so what else matters past that? Right. And I guess that's what you're asking. Is there something else that matters? Um for me, you know, I I, I think my I was looking for a more well-rounded approach. Um, because of a um, son that um, I wanted to be active in his life and I wanted to have a wife after he left. He's going off to college and um, I didn't want our relationship to be based on our son. I wanted it to be based on her and I. And so, you know, that to me, the whole thing about happiness is being able to wake up every morning and get excited on your way to work about all the opportunities and all the places the day may lead you. Yeah. And so I think that boils back down to kind of like what Mark was saying. It's 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 really about you know where you where you go. I don't want I want to hear that song and enjoy it, but I don't want to ever think the thrill is gone about what my day is going to be. We have days like that, 
but I try to have as few of those as possible. Yeah, I think that's the danger in that in that if you're constantly checking that, you know, any any given day can be can be that day where the thrill is gone. Um, obviously, you have to sort of check yourself, and if you're in a consistent season where you just can't get excited about the business anymore, then that's probably means means something bigger. Um, because this can be this can be a very frustrating business, I, and, I, and I, rewarding, incredibly rewarding. Go ahead, Mark. I, I I have a question for for both of you, and I, I I don't know the answer, but I was just thinking of this because the three of us were, of course, at NALC last week, and um, there was a great presentation given by Bob McLean around. Uh, there were some very interesting statistics that he he was giving that research presentation, and one of the things that stuck in my mind is he said that ninety two percent of our industry or ninety two percent of the distributors in this industry write less than one million dollars in sales a year. Is there a connection between that statistic and Danny, what you're talking about with regard to this um kind of this uncertainty around what happiness is. Um, is there may, maybe a more focused way of asking that is, I wonder whether a lack of planning or a lack of um, business planning, so to speak, or a lack of knowing what happiness means suggests that there's a lot of people in the industry that are not able to get past a million dollars in sales. Um, does that make any sense? Is, is there a I, connection there? You know, I, I think you're onto something. Um, because if, if you think in terms of um, the positions we're at at our companies, um, there are places for people to go. They can move laterally. They can move forward. There's different things that you can be involved in in the company um, to be able to regenerate yourself and find happiness. If you know, um, I think when you're under a million dollars, you generally are typically going to have less staff. You're going to do more things yourself. And... Um, you're gonna you're gonna have to be the collector, the salesperson, um, the one who deposits goes to the bank and deposits the checks. Your list of things to do grows exponentially, and if you don't have a couch to sit on, and have someone say the main things are this, I could see where you just become, um, I don't know what's a good term, Bobby. No, you, you, well, I'm gonna chase a thought that you're you're chasing there, Danny. I'm gonna hang with you here. What we're trying to say, too, is that gross sales is not the ultimate barometer for happiness. Gross sales does yeah. not equate happiness. I would yeah. I would say over the past year, I have enjoyed more aspects about our business and our industry than I did back in 2008 when we were doing almost twice as much revenue um, because we're building some cool things. It's almost as if the scorecard is not necessarily the top line. The scorecard is are we building and doing things that we're proud of. And and Bobby, I, I know that I've certainly followed you through that that dip, and I know that one of the most interesting parts of getting to know you over the last couple of years is that that dip, when you lost some of that business, really forced you guys to take a look at how you were building Robin and how you were introducing innovation into the mix. And you, maybe not surprisingly, you went from cheap, chief operations officer to chief branding officer and as much as i like to make fun of you yeah. <laughs> uh and and vice versa i shall say you're a lot meaner to me than i am to you but <laughs> right. um that 
that that I don't think that you would have called yourself chief branding officer when you guys were flying high doing all of the uh, fulfillment and pick and pack programs at at your old level of sales. Yeah. And you might have you know um, been more apt to overlook the innovative sides to your um, uh, to your branding success. Yeah, we let the creativity go. Danny, I don't know if this is similar to your story, but back in 2008, I, I was pretty miserable. And I was, I was, and I won't labor this, but 40 pounds overweight. I was not watching my own health. When the economy collapsed, I, I really thought I had a lot of control over what happened in our business. And I realized I had far less control than I thought. And I don't know how many people went through that with the economy, but it really forced me to step back and go and approach life and business with a little more measured maturity and uh and to, and honestly to be honest I'm, I'm the type of guy that couldn't admit this to try and enjoy myself exactly i you know i i um you were talking about the whole sales volume thing and, and i think that also um you know i think the happy place to me is when i'm really um i don't really know when payday is I don't, I don't, I don't keep up with it. Yeah. I have someone in my in my family that does, but um, I don't that I don't I don't come so we you know we we get paid. Um, my way, that's not how I keep. That's that's a way to keep score um, yeah. to see how you're doing as a barometer. But yeah. um, you know, I I think my happiness comes from achievement. And it it's really not driven by money. I just I think you really hit on something earlier though. When when you look at all the stresses of being a, and not necessarily defined by dollar, but I mean it ultimately is that. But there's just smaller staff on smaller companies, and there are a lot of people in our industry that fit that category, as you were saying. And um, as they as they sometimes attempt to claw and climb to get where they want to be, um, just like you know, be careful what you ask for. Yeah. Well, so, Danny and Mark, let's say you're having breakfast. Uh, I, I'm a $150,000 salesperson, and I want – well, I'm not sure what I want, but I want to have coffee with both of you. We're sitting across the table. What advice do you have for somebody who's who's trying to find their place to land in this industry and in this profession? I know, we, I know this whole podcast has been about that, but you've got 15 minutes to share your experience in the industry and – um, I mean, go. Mark, you want to go? <laughs> Bobby, good question. Um, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll jump in here. Based on my experience, not only selling myself over the years, but also uh, interacting with salespeople and, 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 and uh, getting them to grow um, or creating an environment where they can grow, I've found that the fastest way to grow one's sales in, in a responsible and happy way is to really focus in on a hyper-focused segment. Call it niche. You guys call it niche. Everyone understands. But <laughs> and, 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 the, 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 and I'll give you an example. So we've got a side of our business that... Um, uh, where we sell into the camp and school market, and it's always it's been one of those businesses that um, has been consistently uh, profitable. It consistently grows, and it's it's one where we have um, really um, 
a lot of our innovation um, is allowed to shine in this particular area. And we bring in people that are from that world, know that world, are, are credible and legitimate in that world, love that world, and selling to that world is easy. It's not like it, 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 it's not like they're picking up the phone and calling some mean purchasing manager at a bank asking to sell them pens. They're going in and having a conversation with a friend. And um, we've made mistakes where we've tried to spread ourselves too thin and go after multiple different verticals where we don't have that credibility. So I think at the end of the day, go after what you know, go after your contacts, go after a world where you understand the pain points of the person you're selling to. Um, we've even, uh, we even love bringing on buyers within that particular vertical because they understand what it's like to deal with promo people. They understand what the pain points are. They might even understand who some of the vendors are. So um, in that case, it's, uh, it's just so much easier, so much more enjoyable to come into work. And you're, you're, you're seen as an expert from day one. And I really feel that salespeople, the ones that are the most competent, are confident and happiest in their, in their uh, jobs are the ones that feel as though they're an expert in something. They've got confidence in themselves. Um, so that's my, that's my answer. Danny, you have as much or more experience than most people I know as a distributor. What advice do you have? You know, I, I really think it's, um, it goes back to in a perfect world. If you were going to, you would ask him a simple question. How do you know when you've arrived? What will that look like? And, um, I think that, that would be something to get them to write down. And, and again, I go back to that story of, you know, well, when I get to half a million dollars, that will be utopia. I'll have this many customers. And I, I think that's more along the lines of designing your business around who you are so that um, you get to pick your clients and you don't have your clients pick you. Over time, as you get in this business and, and as your business grows, um, you get famous for something, whether it's good or bad. And uh, as Mark was saying, they're, they're kind of famous in the, uh, in the um, camp world. But I think it's one of those, all of a sudden you have people coming to you and you're saying, hey, do this for me, do that for me. And if it's part of your plan to where you want to go, it's helping those people, you help them. If it's not, you always have to be thinking about what your plan is and do these clients fit your plan. And I, I think the other one is you have to ask yourself, do I want to be a one-man shop or a one-man show? Do I want to grow to be a large company? Um, do I want to get into all the headaches of fulfillment and software and, and that sort of thing? Um, I just think there are you know, many different ways to skin the cat. So those would be some of the areas that I would um, encourage them to think about. And then the other, probably the main thing as it relates to this industry, um, and I think it would relate in any industry, and that's cash is king. Um, yeah, cash is king. So um, I know you're going to ask me what that means, aren't you, Bobby? I actually was, but go ahead, Danny. <laughs> Why isn't it queen? I thought it was queen. Well, you know, you know it's a niche or a niche. It's king. Yeah. Um, but the, the part of it is, is it, it, in order to be... Um, I think where you need to be in this industry and be respected by your suppliers, uh, you need to pay your bills. And if you're going to pay your bills, you need to collect from the people who owe you. So I think that's um, something that you were talking about. Some people, there's some things, you know, you just don't like to do. 
um, you got to be good at that, especially when you're a small entrepreneur and that's one of the hats that you wear. So that's my concept for cash is king. Why do you, I, you know, I'm interested um, in, in, in your opinions on this, both of you. Uh, it seems as though this could be one big infomercial for um, the franchises out there, um, and, and uh, of course, there's a there's plenty of franchises that have got a, a a variety of different value propositions. And what I'm interested in is, despite how popular the pro formas and the I promote use and the boundlesses and so on and so forth, all great business propositions. If 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 you're looking to land at a place like that um, and I don't have the hard numbers on it but my, my gut tells me that there are still many more independents small independent people out there than there, than, than there are um, franchised uh, salespeople. and why is that given all the heartache and the problems are you just a bunch of pie in the sky dreamers or um, is there an alternative to, those, to, to the franchise model Boy, I'm gonna let Danny fill that one. Chicken and out. <laughs> I'm not I'm scared. scared. <laughs> um, um, you know, you know. I think, I think uh, um, there is there something, something out there for everybody. everybody. And, and um, um, I think the reason the reason you, you it's possible that the people that are, are um, small, small operation, operation one, two, three people, um, entrepreneurial, uh, they may have realized early on that they're never going to listen to anyone or they operate best in that environment. Um, I think when you get to your mid-sized distributors, they're kind of more regionalized or uh, um, how do you say boutique in Ontario? Oh, there's no telling. Don't even try. He's going to butcher okay. that so bad. So uh, I think we pronounce it boutique here. Okay. Well, you know, even, if, even if you were to look at, um, we all have three very unsimilar companies in place. Um, and I, I think if you were to look at trying to find a fit for a sales um, or someone that wanted to get in this, the person they were, um, one of us would probably more and so I, I, I think um, it's all about looking for the right fit. And I, I, I would be willing to bet, back to your comment you made earlier, most people come along and they want to know how much money they can make versus if it's a great fit. Um, mm. And so, again, that goes back to the whole happiness thing. Sometimes I just think we ask the wrong questions. I think you're right, Danny. And, you know, yeah. I, um, I, I, you know we've both, we both have worked with reps um, whom we have to help walk through these seasons of their life where, yes, I want to make more money, I want to do more things with my money, but there is a trade-off in terms of time and where you're spending your time. So, you know, that your, to your point, Danny, about asking yourself, what is it you really got to study and know yourself and define really what is my barometer for success in this business? If it's not the top-line sales, then what is it? And to Mark's point of working with clients that you love, working on projects that you love, just knowing what your personal barometer is sounds like a big part of the answer to this question. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, with that, I, I guess one of my questions I would have for you guys is um, I've, I've really got excited about um, promo and actually am a podcast listener and awesome. really enjoy really enjoy the conversations. Is there room in the kitchen for a couch? 
<laughs> I you know what? I think this winning. podcast has has proven that there is room for the couch. <laughs> but you know, it's funny, Danny. You say that. You know, someone asked me one time, "What? Why do we need Promo Kitchen? We have all these different organizations." When you think about it, aside from buying groups like the Pyrenets, um, I mentioned this one person. Suppliers have a really strong network. Really, much stronger than distributors. Distributors, for the most part, operate in isolation. Many of us do. Um, our local competition keeps us from connecting, even though I would say I've got a pretty good relationship with low, even local competitors. But really, we do kind of operate in a vacuum. So that's where I Promo Kitchen, I think, has taken root to some degree, not just to fly the colors. Mm-hmm. I think the only concern about introducing the couch, Danny, is that Bobby would never get off of it. So, you know, that, that's the uh, that's my only worry. You know, but if you know what, it's true. It's did, you, true. did you guys ever see the show Perfect Strangers? Remember the sitcom Perfect Strangers? I figured out where Balky came from. He came from Toronto. He came from Toronto. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I actually think you are right. I don't know if you're joking, but I do think the actor, because, of course, the, the actor, you know, he didn't speak. He doesn't normally speak with that, uh, you know, with the accent that he had on that show. I think he might be Canadian. Yeah, I, not surprising to me at all. Not surprising. Yeah. Well, guys, we are going to have yeah. to close pretty soon. But why don't we let? Uh, why don't we? You guys got a few final words before we have to close, uh, Danny? Anything else you want to mention? You know, I think for the most part, I'm going to let you guys wrap it up. There was one thing that went through my mind. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes through my mind sometimes, very randomly. <laughs> um, but when you were talking about promo kitchen and, and how we all interact, you never notice if people just notice the strangest things. I um in our community here kind of a pretty buttoned up um buttoned down khaki well you know the drill you've seen me wear the clothes before <laughs> but I've got this new thing now when I whether it's NALC or the Expo or something like that if I'm ever in doubt about what to wear I always think what would Mark wear <laughs> Exactly <laughs> Thank right. you guys and, and, so much for letting and, and, me be here and wear and the exact I'll opposite. The, turn it over to y'all, uh, Danny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, what would Bobby wear? And then don't wear that. That's what Mark would say. Danny, it's yeah. been a pleasure, man. And I tell you what, what's I love about these podcasts is oftentimes we don't necessarily have the answer. What we have are the questions, and sometimes asking the right question is all the difference in the world. And growing past happy is one of these podcasts I'm going to listen to again myself. Um, because partially because I really don't listen to Mark's responses, and then I can sort of listen to him on the second time. But yeah. um, Danny, it's been a pleasure, buddy. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. And Mark, now here, now here is my final word. Yes, go I ahead. Just, because I know that the audience is dying. Right. Um, <laughs> Those that are left. the 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 actor that played <laughs> oh, <no>. um, Balky <laughs> in Perfect Strangers, is Bronson Pinchot, uh-huh. and he is from Manhattan. He was born in your country, so he must there you have, go. he must have spent time in Toronto. That's where he got the accent. So well, Mark, that is true. There there is a lot in common between New York and, and, and Toronto for sure. But anyways, this was awesome. Thanks so much, okay. guys. So one final Thanks. word, and this is actually a little smart. It's not from me, but the Dalai Lama. You know, talk about man. Talk about here's a quote. Now it's only a partial quote. He sacrifices his health in order to make money. Then he sacrifices money to recuperate his health. And then he's so anxious about the future that he does not enjoy the present. The result being that he does not live in the present or the future. He lives as if he's never going to die and then dies having never really lived. Bobby, that needs to be, um, you need to put that text on Promo Kitchen associated with this podcast. That was brilliant. I'll do it. Put it on a t-shirt yeah. too. Put it on a t-shirt and I'll sell a bunch of those. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the reference to Perfect Strangers. Go ahead, Dan. <laughs> 
I was just going to say, how did you wrap up our 40 minutes of conversation into three sentences? <laughs> I stole yeah, somebody else's right. material. It's true. Oh. Yeah. Guys, thanks. This has been fun, and I'm going to go hit the show floor again and enjoy what makes this industry cruise. Good stuff, guys. All right, See man. ya. Thanks, guys. Take care, Danny. Oh, okay, bye. bye.